subscribe, hit that like button, rate and read the pod on Apple Podcasts, and let me know what you guys think in the comments. Welcome to an episode of The Boss Sauce, everyone. Today, I have a very special guest. We have my fiance, Justin, who is actually a business systems integrator. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us what it is that you do exactly as a business systems integrator for those that don't know? Yeah, so I usually work with businesses and figure out what systems they use on a day-to-day -day basis and work with them to see what kind of um, you know choke points or issues that they're having and try and then find solutions to solve those problems. Uh, what exactly do you mean by choke point? Um, it could be anything from, you know, certain bits of information just isn't getting to the right people in the company, whether that is uh, a lot of the stuff that I do is with retail. Um, so it might be something along the lines of vendors sending in invoices to a company and how do you distribute that inventory you know, between multiple stores and do it effectively to where, um, you know, nothing is slowing down that process. Wow. So it sounds like it's a lot of, <clears throat> of making different softwares or systems communicate. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of, a lot of that. Um, cause I guess, I guess on what I usually sit down with these companies and i ask them you know what software they're using at the moment um what they're trying to do you know what information they want to you know keep track of um whether that is you know kpis or you know there, there's i guess step one is to sit down talk with them and see where you know those issues you know kind of take place in their chain what would you say that businesses need in order to make their companies successful in terms of these softwares and systems? Yeah. So I guess that it really just depends on the business. Um, Cause I mean, there's so many different types and, you know, no business is alike. Um, I mean, definitely if you're talking about like the retail space, uh, a business is definitely going to want some sort of you know, POS system, something that's going to sit up front at the at the registers and it's going to, you know, allow, you know, cashiers to uh, ring customers up. But at the same time that's happening, you know, it needs to keep track of what's leaving the store, um, you know, how much each transaction is. And then um, kind of on top of that, you would want a system that is going to help manage your finances. Um, so all of that data has somewhere to go, um, especially when it comes to, you know, tax time at the end of the year. Um, and then as well, um, inventory management is, is humongous. Um, if you don't have some sort of system that, you know, your whole team can use in that regards, then, you know, it makes it really difficult to track, you know, what your store selling what you should be selling um and what you shouldn't be selling as well why do you think that it's important for businesses to keep track of exactly what it is and quantities of what they're selling mm -hmm. yeah it's really easy for companies to kind of you know just buy whatever they think they should be buying and if you don't know what's selling um, or what you should be focusing your attention, like the types of products that you should be 
you know, focusing all of your attention on, um, then it's very easy to, you know, buy the wrong things. Um, just in general, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of issues that could pop up from that. I think what's also important too is that it can help save you money, right? In terms mm -hmm. of knowing what like the expenses are and how much of inventory you have. Exactly. And it's one of those things too, especially if you're running a business and you have multiple locations, um, it's really easy. Uh, I guess a really e a problem that pops up quite a bit um, in the industry is you know, one location buying too much of a certain product um, and it doesn't sell that well at that location. But if you have something like a, you know, some sort of inventory management system that allows you to see that and get those types of insights, um, then you know, like, oh, well, it doesn't, you know, this particular product doesn't work well at this location. This location has a lot of them. That product does work really well at these other two locations. So let's distribute those out um so we can make profit then at that point um let's say somebody's wanting to start a business or they currently have a business but they don't have systems in place what would you recommend um again it really depends on the type of company that it is since you specialize in retail let's say a retail mm -hmm. business yeah so um i mean pos that's going to be a big one and I guess POS is kind of a broad term. Um, I guess, uh, it, again, it depends on the company size, but another way you can look at it um, is a collection of software. So something like an ERP system, which is, stands for Enterprise Resource Planning. And historically, those have been, um, you know, just really humongous all-in-one systems like Oracle or SAP. Um, NetSuite is another one of those programs. Um, or, you know, back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, um, a lot of these systems weren't really accessible uh, money-wise to smaller businesses. Um, and even some of those systems nowadays, it's, you know, it, it, they cost quite a bit to integrate in general. Um, and then as well to train everybody, you know, to, you know, to get what you want out of that system. So I guess, um, so I guess ERP is kind of like a blanket term. Um, in the industry, you've got two different types. You've got like an all-in-one ERP system, kind of like those companies I just named, NetSuite, Oracle, SAP. Um, and then there's also uh, a method of kind of finding best in class or, you know, finding the systems that are going to work best for you and then stacking them together and then making sure they're communicating well. And that works really well for a lot of businesses these days who don't want to commit you know, several thousand dollars um, a month, even for, you know, one of the classical ERP systems. Um, and it allows you to kind of pick and choose, you know, certain software that is going to be most beneficial for your business. Would you agree that in your position that you almost play like this IT and maybe a, a like, for for layman's terms, like a baby software developer, baby coder, would you say that that has anything to do with what you do with integrating these systems and having them communicate to one another so that there's like a smooth workflow and a seamless process? 
process? Yeah. I mean, one of the big things that I do is I'll sit down with a company and I'll figure out, like I was saying earlier, you know, what, you know, what issues are you having? Um, what software are you using and what do you want to, you know, what do you want to achieve? And that's different for every business. Um, cause there's definitely been times in the past where I'm working with a company. They tell me this is what we want to do. Um, can you develop something for this? And you, it's yes, I can, but it's one of those things that there might be a solution already out on the market that makes more sense, um, you know, for that company, as opposed to hiring a developer, you know, hiring somebody or paying me to, you know, write a program, you build a program for them. And because another thing that you have to think about too, is if you don't have somebody on staff that is doing like what I do on a day-to-day basis, um, and you pay somebody to you know build you software, you, you're going to want that company that built you the software to offer some sort of like maintenance program afterwards. It's kind of an ongoing thing. You would continually pay that company, hopefully, if you chose the right company, um, to you know make updates to the system, or if an API you know changes over time, um, you know making sure what is connected up to your system is updated. Um, because the last thing you want is, you know, to show up to work um, and you're opening your store and none of your systems are working. So kind of like having a person who does, I guess, um, I mean, wouldn't that be kind of IT, somebody that can troubleshoot problems in the software, but also can update the systems and um, make them work? when everything's going haywire Mm. and that's kind of why i was uh talking about like the best of class systems earlier um as opposed to having some like a company develop some software for you um and there might you know being something on the market that's already you know going to work well for your business whether that is some sort of inventory system um or some sort of like tool that connects up to say microsoft excel and allows you to you know, um, send information from like an Excel spreadsheet over, you know, into like your POS system or your inventory management system. If you're working with like one of these um, other solutions, then it kind of allows them to take over that maintenance. So a lot of times that is better for uh, smaller businesses who aren't able to have somebody, you know, on payroll who is sitting there and, um, you know, diagnosing any system issues um, or really developing for them on a day-to-day basis. So I guess, uh, you know, that's one of those things that, like I was saying earlier, it, how it really just depends. And, it, you know, I got to talk with companies and, you know, see what works best for them. Do you have somebody in-house that um, is going to be able to monitor this? Um, same with uh, if the business is expanding, you know, it's kind of a necessity. I mean, you can kind of get away with, you know, one or two stores maybe um, and running some fairly simple systems. But once you expand past that, and again, it you know, every business is different. Every retail business is different too, because you might only have, you know, you might be like a, a vape store or something. You might have four or 500 products. It's relatively easy to, you know, keep track of your inventory with like an, an Excel spreadsheet. Um, or even some of the more basic like POS systems. But 
Um, if you're talking, you know, a company like, uh, you know, that's selling, you know, hundred thousand products, that's when it really starts, you know, getting difficult to expand as well too, without a lot of these systems in place. For the smaller businesses that don't really have hundreds of thousands of products, like what do you recommend that they do if they can't afford a higher ticket person that can take care of all of these softwares and do maintenance like because obviously a lot of these softwares and systems cost thousands of dollars but not everyone can afford that is there a way that they can maybe work their way up there like do you recommend doing something on i don't know for example um excel or google sheets um to kind of get started and starting to get into the habit of having a system until they af they can afford an expensive one um i mean i think excel is essential in every business i mean pretty much every business out there no matter what it is whether they're like in healthcare or retail or you know whatnot is still going to have you know excel like excel is not going anywhere um the one downside about excel is that it's not it's hard i mean it could be very easy to send an excel workbook to somebody that you're tracking you know all of your inventory on or you know your kpis and um somebody make one little mistake and there's no real good way to recover you know that that workbook or accidentally you know copying the wrong numbers to somewhere so i wouldn't suggest running very very important vital things on excel um but I think there's a lot of smaller, um, I guess, POS systems in general out there that will get people in, you know, start moving in the right direction um, when it comes to, um, you know, tracking their financials or just really, um, you know, digging in deeper with the inventory. So, I mean, there's there that's the one big problem as well in the industry is there's literally thousands of these companies. So that's where it kind of makes sense to um, speak to somebody like me who has, you know, tested out a lot of these different, you know, smaller POS companies um, and, you know, kind of put them through the ringer to really see, you know, how well do they work? Because uh, the one thing in this industry as well is everybody is, you know, going to tell you that their system is the absolute best um you know you look at their website it's super flashy and it claims to you know be able to handle all all of these issues and then you get on the phone with that said company and you talk to their sales team and the same thing oh this will solve your problems and uh until you get into the software and start testing it um you know you really don't know that that's when you start to see you know issues that you know you wouldn't have saw based off of like the like the demo that the company gives you when you first start talking to them so what you're saying is that you should test it first and it sounds like these companies allow what you said is a demo does that mean that they give you a free trial before you make a decision yeah so most of these companies um you'll call them up um you'll schedule a meeting and you'll sit down with somebody on their sales team and they'll ask you a little bit about your business and then they hop straight into the software and they start showing you like an actual um you know demo of like how you know how it operates 
Um, a lot of these companies do also give you a free trial, um, you know, 14 days free trial. And I mean, though that is really good, you know, cause I've sat down in these demos with the sales rep and he's showing me everything and, you know, checking all of the boxes, but you know, it's like, well, let me, you know, sit here and finish out the trial and I'll get back with you. Cause again, that, I mean, that's the, really the only way that you can start to see if it's going to work for your business. And a lot of times too, um, you know, I guess it's important to like when you're looking at the software to, you know, kind of, I mean, just find out if, for instance, the company has like an API, um, which is a uh, application programming interface. So that is going to allow basically in um, it's going to allow two programs that wouldn't normally talk together to talk together with the help of with coding. You can code the two systems together. So that's the one big thing that I suggest too for businesses that are looking at like a POS system in general. Um, most of them these days do have an API, but try to find one or ask that company, you know, do you guys have an API, an open API? Um, because that is going to allow you to expand in the future when it comes to more software. So you specifically ask for an open API. I mean, you could say API either way though, you know, but that's just gonna, cause you don't want to get, um, uh, locked into, you know, a software that can't do everything that you want it to, and not also be able to expand. Like you don't want to invest a bunch of time and resources into, um, you know, transitioning your whole company onto a new system. Um, if it doesn't allow you to integrate your other systems together. Right. So besides the API, let's say hypothetically, I'm a, um, a retail business owner speaking to a consultant for one of these systems besides the API. What are some other things that, that you recommend asking these consultants to make sure that you find the system that's right for you as a retail owner? Um, ask them who they integrate with, ask them about their support team as well. Um, the last thing you want is again, to show up to work and for some reason the system's down and you don't have a phone number that you can call, um, to try to get that up, you know, the system's up and going, you're just losing money at that point. Um, and again, just kind of going back to this is why as well, like the trial is so important to test everything out. You're never going to find a system that is going to check all of the boxes for your company. Um, you want to try to get as many of those boxes checked. That is another good thing too. Um, prior to even sitting down with these companies, um, you want to have a list of yourself with what you want to get out of the system. You know, if you could sit down in one of those meetings with those uh, POS companies and you say, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. Can you guys do these things? Um, then you, in a lot of these meetings now too, I mean, they're, they're all virtual, they're over zoom or whatnot. So you can kind of gauge right off the bat, you know, if somebody is, you know, they're like, oh yeah, or we'll, we'll find out about that. And it's just like, ah, how do you not, you know, that was a pretty simple, you know, question that I just asked and you're not, you, you sell the software, but you don't know, you know, this answer to, you know, so it's, 
I'd say that is probably the most important thing when you go to sit down with these companies um, and and then work with several people like on your team. You kind of want to have a team for something like this, like in your company itself. So, you know, um, having three or four people who you can talk to and discuss and figure out what, you know, um, what do we need this system to do? What would you say besides these consultants not knowing like the answers to um, if to some of your questions, like what are some other red flags would you say you need to look out for? <clears throat> um, some other red flags would be. Uh, I mean, it's tough, too, because they're salesmen. Um, they, they do get kind of annoying a lot of times. Um, and they will excessively call you. I, okay. So here's one when they're trying to get you to, um, uh, consistently like, okay, let's next step. Here we go. You know, let's sign the contract. You know, you should be able to allow, you should be allowed to take as much time as you want to make a decision. They're very, very pushy. Most of these companies, um, you know, so it's one of those things that you don't feel like you have to say yes to anything, you know, even after the first demo or whatnot, you know, you, the ball's always in your court. They want your money, um, you know, so, you know, just don't fall into it. Cause the last thing you want, especially some of these bigger companies like Oracle or NetSuite, and the, you know, the, the, those are good companies, but the last thing you want is to, you know, sign a contract with them and then you or your team didn't um invest or have enough time to invest to really you know test out the system and see if it'll work for you and then all of a sudden you're integrating it you six months later you're live and it's not working for you and then you just wasted you know a lot of money a lot of time and now you're you know back to the drawing boards you know we got to figure out what you know system we need to switch to again yeah it sounds like to really make this work for you and your company, you have to do some level of like research and your own due diligence to make sure that you're finding a company that's going to meet all of your business's needs. Um, it also sounds like you have to go in there asking questions and and knowing exactly what it is that you're looking for. Exactly. Um, how do you feel currently? with the state of AI and integrating these systems together and overall using AI in general in, um, for example, a retail business? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's here to stay. I mean, there's been a lot of different AI companies that have been coming out recently. Like everybody knows about ChatGPT or, you know, Google's Bard and, um, it's very i'm excited about it it's very exciting um i think that you just have to you know kind of be careful with what you they're, they're very helpful tools but you at this point or at this stage you can't allow everything in your business to you know be completely you know functioning off of you know ai i, I guess at this point i mean the ai systems aren't built for it yet um but i think as a as a tool though you know um it, it is really you know it's very beneficial 
Do you use AI at all in your position? Um, not as much as I initially did. Uh, like when ChatGPT first came out, you know, I was like, oh wow, like this is pretty powerful. You know, sometimes you write like a snippet of code and for some reason it's not working. You know, it's nice to instead of sitting there and looking for, you know, like a comma or something that you forgot and scanning the whole thing, you can, you know, go to Chat GPT and literally just say, um, please check this syntax and then copy and paste, you know, your code snippet in there and it's gonna break down like, you know, this is what the code does. This is what's wrong with it, you know, and then it regenerates like a new version. So I think it's a, a good tool for quickly solving like small problems. But um, right now, though, it's one of those things that you still really need somebody that is monitoring that as well, too. Like I wouldn't go full AI on specific. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example here um like to be completely dependent on ai yeah i want to be completely dependent on ai because the same thing too with uh chat gpt like you could sit there and ask it a question um you know can you tell me or uh like chat gpt is, is like it's not good with math like you can hook it up to other programs that are a lot better at doing like calculations but it's funny because you can tell chat gpt like hey please check the syntax or you know analyze this data set and it will look at it and say oh everything's right and then all you have to say is like respond back are you sure question mark and it'll say oh i'm sorry this is actually a mistake here you know so you you really do have to um kind of you can use it but you want to check your work as well afterwards like you don't want to you know i wouldn't like rely on it to code me like a whole program in the state that it is i think in a few years from now or i mean it, it's hard to tell too because technology is always i mean what a year and a half ago you know nobody was even really talking about chat gpt so this stuff does you know rapidly grow and get better um and now that they are you know a front runner in this industry um it's great because now all these other companies are like okay we got to step it up so you know, it's only just going to keep getting better and better, all of these different AI tools. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, if you are using it to automate processes in your business, um, you definitely want somebody to kind of, um, you know, still keep an eye on whatever it's doing because you don't want it to, um, you know, miss certain details, you know. So I guess it, it really just depends. But there are some really cool use cases. Uh, just in general for AI, like, I mean, you can make, for instance, like a chat bot that like for your business, um, you could hook that up to uh, like Instagram or Facebook. And you, you know, I mean, this kind of been around for a little while, you know, and it will, you know, when you message one of these companies and you kind of get that automated bot, you know, it's like, oh, you know, thank you for contacting so-and-so, you know, our business hours are blah, blah, blah. And you can train like one of these AI bots based off of, you know, the information that, or that, you know, whoever's contacting you. So if somebody's like, oh, hey, do you guys have, you know, this brand um, or, you know, this type of, let's say like music gear or something, do you guys have guitars? Um, you could train the bot to, you know, okay, this customer asked a question about guitars. Let's send this question to the guitar department. 
you know, so that way nobody's even really having to have full overwatch of the inbox. But the AI, as long as you train it on the right questions, something like that's going to save your company a bunch of time, you know, or, hey, what about drums? Send, and then AI sends that question, you know, emails it to your drum team and gets it to the people who is going to be able to answer those questions, you know, best. So th there's a lot of great use cases and, and more just keep coming out every day. Do you see AI taking your job in the near future? Um, no, not anytime soon. <laughs> Um, I think because kind of, again, with like the oversight, I think it's going to keep getting better and it's going to keep wowing everybody, but there, I, I feel like at least for the very foreseeable future, companies are still going to need to, I think AI will continue to, um, you know, um, AI is going, like I said earlier, it's, it's here to stay what is really going to set somebody that has like a job like me um ahead is you know figuring out the best way to use ai because i feel like companies are always you know the ceo of a company isn't going to want to sit there and program something with chat gpt and then also rely on it run you know like it's just not at that state um there's always gonna i feel like there's always gonna be the need for somebody to be sitting in that chair and monitoring all of these ai workflows that are happening you know any sort of automations and then also being there when one of these automations break because there's still computers and there's still bugs that happen and you know again the ceo is not gonna a lot of times know what to do if all of a sudden the automation chains go down and so i feel like for quite i don't know several years at least hopefully not I, I think the big thing is is we have to integrate with the ai as opposed to you know the other way around yes i feel like ai reminds me of social media i think that it's they're both tools that business owners should start integrating and using just because like you said it is here to stay would you recommend that every business owner whether big or small that they at least start playing with AI and integrating maybe even um, a small something small like for example ChatGPT into their business so that way they get used to it and then eventually can make that big adjustment as AI gets more intelligent. I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, definitely. I mean, to try it out. I mean, ChatGPT has like a free version. Like you sign up, but you don't have to pay for it. Um, and you don't really know until you start playing around with it. And then it's one of those things where you're like, oh, wow, like I, I didn't know that this just made this process so much easier for me on my day to day basis. Um, so I, I don't think it hurts to I think it's important for businesses to kind of um, keep track of these things and find out, you know, ways to incorporate some of this stuff. And a lot of these big companies just in general nowadays, whether that's like Microsoft or, you know, any, you know, I mean, think of like Facebook or, or Meta and, you know, all of the social media companies nowadays, they're integrating bits of AI or allowing people to do different things on their platforms that are AI driven. Um, so I do think it is a good idea to kind of, um, you know, for a business to mess around with those things. Um, you don't have to go, you know, all in on it, but just kind of, you know, test it out, see what it does. And then also just watch, you know, YouTube. I mean, there's, it's easy enough to search like, oh, uh, top AI tools for my business. 
Um, I haven't done that in a while, so I couldn't like, you know, but it's it, even if these tools don't necessarily work for you right now, it kind of um, puts them in your mind or it kind of shows you possibilities um, of some of these tools. And then, you know, maybe six months from now, you're still running into like the same issue that you've been having. And then you go back to YouTube, you go to Google, and now you're more familiar with like the terminology as well too, you know? Um, and it kind of makes it easier once you know the terminology of a lot of this stuff um, to find tools that are right for you. Are you having trouble with social media? Need a content creator, a video editor, or need social media management? Well, those are some of the services that I offer. Go to reneesuari.com for more. Now back to the show. So let's backtrack a little. How did you, how did, how exactly did you get into becoming a business systems integrator? Did you, well, I know that you didn't go to school, but how, how exactly did all of this happen? Um, I mean, I've always been into computers, like ever since I was a kid. I mean, I was probably 12 years old and like trying to rap and, you know, make music and stuff. I know it's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> and then that ended pretty quickly, you know, because I'm not a rapper um, <laughs> and then moved into, uh, you know, computer graphics. I mean, that was a huge portion of my life, whether that's um photoshop or using programs like gimp for uh 3d animation um adobe premiere after effects like i spent a good portion of my life i mean even um i mean i probably started messing around with like adobe after effects when i was like you know, 14 or 15 got real into it and um i mean even to this day like sometimes i'll you know make an animation for something um, I don't know. So I guess I've always just kind of been on a computer for my jobs. Um, and then when it came to nowadays, like working with computers, um, it just, I, I guess it kind of just is for me, at least was kind of like a, a natural progression. You know, I've always used these programs. I've always wondered how they work. Um, but I never really had the time to invest in learning how they work or, you know, um, but I'd say over the last four or five years especially with the stuff that i've been doing i mean it, it becomes crucial to you know figuring out how stuff works together um like when you run into a problem with your business and you can't find the the right software to use to solve that problem you know at some point at least for me it was like well how do i make it then you know how if i can't you know find a company that is going to do what i need it to do like what's the easiest way for me to achieve what I want and how hard is it to, to make it? How do you handle tough situations? Like when, for example, there's a glitch in the code and you can't exactly find a way to make what it is that your client's requesting for their business. For example, if they're requesting some dashboard with all their employees' names, but you just can't, can't get that done how do you approach those situations with creating um, a project or um, like a software for that particular thing but it just doesn't work because i'm sure that happens yeah it definitely happens and it could be super frustrating um i guess I, I guess it depends on like the platform that you're doing it on or what the specific thing is but stuff does break and it can be you know, sometimes 
I mean, you don't want to ever have this, have to have this happen, but sometimes the easiest way is to kind of, you know, usually you have multiple versions of something. Um, if I'm making like a program or if I'm uh, programming like a dashboard in like Power BI, uh, which is like a data analysis program, it's, you know, gives companies ability to see into their insights, like how their business is running. Um, sometimes stuff breaks and, um, you know, or you're building a new dashboard and it's just not working. Um, I'd say it's a, it's it's important, or at least what I do is if I'm starting to experiment or like, oh, I want to make um, a, uh, I, I, I guess this happens a lot when I'm trying to improve systems as well too, or improve a, a workflow or an automation, um, you know, I will start working on it. And then after two hours, it's not working anymore. It's not doing what I need it to do. Uh, I think it's vital. Uh, I always save multiple versions of that program that I'm working on. So, you know, I have like this data set um, nowadays, especially after all these years of like making music and making, you know, animations, you kind of learn to, you know, save multiple versions of the file. So you always have something to come back to if all else fails, you know, go back to when you first started. I guess you kind of just have to get used to, you know, spending several hours on something, having it not work, and then being able to let go of it and start over again, you know, but I feel like that is huge um, to always just have, you never work on the production uh, environment, which is the program or the uh, data set that the business is operating on um, because you don't want to be working on that, mess up something, and then the business isn't able to use it. But if you have a separate production environment uh, or like a copy of that environment, so um, then you can make all these tweaks and changes to that one. The business is still running on the main environment. Once you get this one working really well, then you can, and it's tested and everything's working as as it, as it should, then you can, you know, put this one in line, you know, you could switch the environments then at that point. So version history, or, uh, you know, is is huge versioning. It sounds like a very high pressure role. How do you handle knowing that businesses are relying on you and your um, softwares that you develop and create for them? Yeah, it's definitely a lot of pressure. Um, but I think um, if you do a lot of you, you, over time, you start to kind of, you know, have these built in fail safes, kind of like what I was saying, like hey, what, uh, like a fail safe, like something that, you know, that you put into place to where you know that it's not going to mess up something. Um, so like the, what I was just saying, like, that's a big one. Um, just never, you know, making changes to something that the business is, you know, uh, reliant on, you know, so over time, once I started doing that more, then it does kind of remove a lot of the pressure because then it's like what I'm working on right now might not be working, but it, it doesn't matter because the business is working on the stable, you know, it's running on the stable version of this, you know? So, um, but yeah. Do you ever get creative blocks? Because it sounds like a lot of this is like software like creation or development how do you how do you how do you face blocks or obstacles where you 
you just can't seem to get a program or whatever it is that you're working on to to do what it is that you want it to do? Um, that's a good question. Um, you definitely get a lot of creative blocks, but it's one of those things that I like to have a running list of projects that I'm working on. Um, so if I get stuck on something or I'm spending way too much time on this specific uh, task and it's just not going anywhere, I mean, breaks are essential. Um, you know, stepping away from that project for, you know, maybe even that day or just a couple hours. Um, and that's why I like to have lists of all these different projects that I'm working on. Uh, because then it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go, you know, hop over and work on this for a couple hours and not think about this thing that's, you know, I, that I can't figure out right now. And then um, I'll come back to that later. And what you find a lot of times when you're working on something else is, you know, while you're working on that, you find ways, you know, subconsciously you're like, oh, the, you know, I'm building this right now. That would actually work well for that. Or you think of like, oh, why was I spending so much time, you know, focused on this aspect of the thing that was causing me like the creative block? Um, it also allows you to detach from the amount of time that you've spent on something. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things where um, this used to happen a lot with like when I'm like was making music or movies and stuff. You spend so many days or hours on a project and you get really, you know, you're like, I want to make this work. This has to work. I've spent so much time on it. And you just try to force things that shouldn't, you know, you, when in reality, you should have, you know, just started over. But it's hard to let go of something that you've put so much time into. So I feel like having multiple things to do that aren't necessarily related to each other. So uh, multiple different projects skipping back and forth between them um, allows you to kind of, you know, lose the attachment to one thing that you've spent so much time on. And, uh, and again, a lot of times you figure out a new way to, you know, get out of that block. What would you say is a common misconception about being a business systems integrator? Mm. Uh, that it's easy? Uh, no, I don't think anybody thinks it's easy. Um, but um, I mean, th this is a tough question, I guess. Um, uh, or I guess, what would you say is, is the hardest part about your job and and creating all these systems and creating the right thing for businesses okay yeah so I, honestly i'd say the hardest part is getting the the company or the employees more so to adopt the software or this new style of workflow um it's called change management so it's one of those things that um, it's really easy for like the executives of the company to be like, oh, everybody needs to use this software. Um, you know, it's brand new and but people don't like change. And I feel like one of the hardest parts a lot of times is getting everybody on board to where, no, we need to use this system or we need to, you know, process things a certain way. 
Um, I know it's different than how it was done before. I know the old way was easier. So I guess, I mean, training is the number one thing when it comes to something like that. And honestly, that is, I, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I want to say like 90% of like full-blown ERP system integrations fail um, due to change management. Um, uh, yeah, so that that is probably the hardest to to get people to, because um, the the company owners, you know, they're the ones that paid for it. They're fine. They let's do it. You know, this works. Like let's go. But to get you know the average worker, you know, they have a lot of questions. A lot of times, you know, why are we doing it this way? Or I like the old system better. Or you know, so it's important to you know explain that to them, but then also, um. I guess incorporate them on uh, like for instance if you go into a company and you ask the workers like hey what would you like you know how how can we make something better for you or like what's a a common annoyance for you in like your day-to-day -day work the more people that you like workers that you get their um you know opinions on these things the more they feel like that they're you know that they were considered in this change um and then they're more willing to adopt like what is set into place because they're like oh you know that was my idea you know he said you know i he told me or i told him that this wasn't working and you know the new system that he built you know incorporates that so like yeah let's use this you know i feel like that's really important yeah it sounds like when going into these meetings with these consultants for these systems it sounds like it would be a good idea to consult with the employees and find out exactly what it is that mm. they need to so that they feel heard and i think that would just make it a lot easier for employees to embrace the new system too 100 mm, percent, yeah because you're factoring in i mean they're the ones that are working with it and and again i mean if you know they know that their opinions were you know like their concerns were heard then they're going to be a lot more willing to to use something and you're going to get them, you know, a better system that's going to, you know, allow them to perform their job better. For business owners that are getting a new system or do currently have a new system, is there anything that you would recommend in terms of how to address pushback from a new system? Um, training. I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, not uh, when you're training somebody, uh, I, the big thing too is um you know they they might get frustrated when they're you know using like whatever new software it is or this new workflow and me personally like if i'm training somebody like one of the things that i do i mean because it, it's true a lot of times you know if you relate to them while you're you're teaching them you know say they 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 mess something up or um you know the, and you know they're like oh you know i, I um i accidentally copied this part i meant to paste it over here but you know and i'm working with them I'm like oh you know i did i i've had that happen to me too like don't worry about it like it's okay i feel like when you do that it allows people to be like oh you know this is you know it's not just me that's messing this up um or made this mistake like that guy the guy who like put it together or whatever um he he's done the same thing he knows how i feel you know so i feel like i i feel like if just getting on the ground with everybody and answering their questions walking them through it um building tutorial videos if you can um because i might not always be accessible uh as well or i might not be able to you know be on the ground and 
you know, giving full-blown training because I'm developing something else or, or what, whatever it is. Um, just giving them all the resources possible to where there isn't that pushback. Um, I mean, especially with a lot of the companies that I work with, um, I, you know, I'll get phone calls throughout the day of you know, different random employees who, you know, how do I do this or, you know, this, and you're not always going to get that, you know, it's kind of like a service that I offer that, you know, a lot of other companies aren't going to allow you unless they have like a, you know, a whole tech support team or whatnot. But, um, but I feel like that allows people to have their concerns addressed right away. Um, and, you know, it just, uh, I don't know, it, overall, it helps out quite a bit. When a business is switching over to a new system, like, for example, a POS system, how how much time do you think it would take in order for them to be fully crossed over for all of their information to fully be implemented into the new system? Would you say it would range anywhere from like a month to three months, maybe, depending on the size? Yeah. I mean, the biggest factor of that is... Um... For instance, how many products do they have that they have to transfer over? Um, how many employees do they have as well? How much of their old data from like their old systems do they need to import into the new system? Um, how clean is their data as well? And meaning like, I mean, quite often I'll work with, you know, different companies and they send me over their data to, you know, input into like the new system to, you know, get all their products in there and stuff isn't labeled correctly or certain products sh um, share like the same characteristics and you don't really, or they're too generalized or too broad. Like you don't know, like if this product is actually that specific product, uh, the cleaner the data, the easier, like the implementation um, every time. But 99% of the time companies have just horribly, you know, horrible, horribly kept data, you know? So um, it really, really just depends on a lot of different factors, but I'd say anywhere from, I mean, if it's a company that has, you know, say 200 products and, uh, I mean, that would only take, you know, I mean, not that long. I mean, I, I could probably clean up 200 products of data in 15, 20 minutes. Um, and then, you know, depending on the system that they're transitioning over to, you know, um, it wouldn't take long to implement, but then you got these companies that have, you know, four, five hundred, a thousand people that work there. They all need logins into the system. Um, they've got multiple locations, um, thousands and thousands of products, um, depending on the system that they're going over to as well. I mean, it could take anywhere from, you know, six months. Um, it depends on how many people are also working on like if I have somebody helping me out or if I have a team of people helping me out, that will also speed up the process. Um, but I mean, if you look at big companies like uh, like Nike, um, even like the Navy, um, like the the military, you know, they have to use these systems as well, too. You know, they might not be using um, well, Nike's using POS systems. The military is not using POS systems, but they are using ERPs, you know, so. Um, Sometimes those, you know, those companies or, you know, government institutions, it could take several years to transfer all of their information from the old system and get it into the new system. You, you just don't want to take your old information and not have it as clean as you could possibly get it uh, before getting it into the new system, because you're just going to run into a lot of the same problems you do with the old system. 
with the new system with your your unclean data. Um, can you define clean data for people that don't know mm -hmm. what you mean? Yeah, so um, I guess it it depends on like for instance in retail a lot of times it is your products you know so you might have a like a car repair store or something like a like an auto zone or whatnot and you have say all these different windshield wipers um and if several of them like don't have like the associated brand with them or one of them might be missing like the barcode um or s some of these products don't have like their vendor's cost associated with it um, or the product is named just windshield wiper and you're like what you know what company you know who who made this windshield wiper you know that would be an example of unclean data and you see it a lot um, from companies of various sizes i've seen companies that have um, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of products and you know an invoice will come over or whatnot and it, it's missing you know the barcode it's missing like the brand it's tough to get insights on your business like well what brands are working the best you know what should we sell what should we get rid of if you don't know specifically you know that the products like they don't have um the right information associated with them like if somebody buys something at the pos register and the report shows windshield wiper and you're like okay well yeah they bought a windshield wiper for 22.99 but that's the only information i have like you're not going to know you know should we buy that you know what windshield wiper was that that they bought like so we could buy more of them because they're they're selling well so it's important to really have all of that stuff organized and um you know th that's it's huge yeah it sounds like the more detailed and specific your data is the more successful your business will be when implementing a new system mm -hmm. or an, going from a um, an old system to a new one, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that it's impossible to expand if you don't have certain programs and systems in place? Um, again, it, it, for that, it depends because I feel like um, it, and it also depends on how big you want to go, how big you want to expand. Um, cause I feel like restaurants, um, can, you know, have quite a few different locations using like a basic POS system, something like toast or, um, I, I don't do too much with restaurants, but, you know, as long as you're able to keep track of your ingredients, um, you know, when do these expire, um, you can get away with, you know, having quite a few locations, but once you start um like in the, on the retail side of things if you only have a few hundred products you can expand a decent amount because again that's pretty easy to track um but if you want to like if you're a bigger business and you want to expand i mean you definitely um need to really uh invest or have somebody to you know focus in on you know one of these the you know these different softwares that are out there that are going to allow you to kind of, you know, collect all of this data, all of this information into one easily digestible system. So, you know, your high level like CEOs or whoever's in charge of operate like the operations team has um, those insights to where they can manage 
you know, manage how stuff is being purchased or, you know, stock transfers or where should employees be this day on this location. It's really slow on Tuesdays. Um, for some reason, we've got overstaffed at this location. I could see it right here already three days before this problem even happens. Let's move two people from this location to this location. You know, so the the bigger the company gets, um, the more vital it is to have these systems in place um, to where you, you know, you kind of get out in front of the problem before it even happens. I can see that. I think the short answer would be yes, just because mm -hmm. you would need to have like the correct data and easy to access data, it seems like, in order to create something successful and long term. Exactly. Mm -hmm. For for those starting out, um, for people that want to become, for example, a business systems integrator, do you have any advice or is there anything that um, you would say to Justin who was just starting out? Like, would you have any words of advice? Um, I mean, definitely learn as much as you can about as many different systems as you can. So whether it's like, you know, NetSuite or um, SAP or Sin7 or, you know, it's it's really good idea to kind of get an idea on how all of these systems work. You don't have to go full in depth and learn everything about them, but it's a good idea to, you know, because they don't, they don't all do the same thing, you know, so you wouldn't want to suggest to a company that is, you know, real retail based like you know and they need like pos systems and you know registers and you know you wouldn't want to you know ha you know suggest like a, a manufacturing style system for them i mean it could work but it makes more sense to find them something that's more retail based so just kind of get an idea of all of the different systems that are out there and again there's a lot of them um that would be one thing i, I guess to look at um and then just try to like learn as much as you can i mean just watch a lot like you said earlier i didn't I didn't go to college for this um but i do have like a, a really obsessive personality so um you know i watch one youtube video about like a certain topic then it's like oh like oh they mentioned this term in that that video like you know what does that mean like, i need to learn more about that you know so i just always be open to new information especially in the technology industry uh, because stuff is constantly changing um and you kind of do have to be uh update you keep updates with you know what's happening and and always be learning as well too you know if it's like a slower day um and you got like your projects done that day faster than you normally would um you know go online and you know take a course um you know learn about it like a different programming language that you you don't know about that um you know it's just good idea to always you know keep learning this stuff if someone had the opportunity to go to school for this or if you had the opportunity to go to school for this would you um at this point oh i guess it just depends because i don't feel like a lot of people go to school for this specifically um i think it's kind of something that people find themselves into i think a lot of people that do get into this did go to school for this or did, did go to school for like with like computer science um or you know something along those lines and then over time um once they got out into like the real world they may have ended up in a position like this some sort of like you know system consulting type of of job or like 
you know, like IT help desk or whatnot. Um, personally, right now for me, like I wouldn't go back to school for it because there's it's such a um, the, the beautiful thing about like everything that's online now. You, there's so much information and there's so many courses and you don't have to go to school to like get certified for a lot of stuff. Um, it, you know, you can just pay a little bit of money, but there's some of the best teachers of like computer science um, nowadays, like they realize they can make more money, you know, putting out like a class on Python or like a whole workshop. Um, and, you know, than they would if they were like teaching this at like a university or something and they have more um, freedom. And then also, you know, you have the ability to um, follow along at your own pace as well. And I know with like a lot of like the online like schooling that I've done or like these workshop classes, it's, uh, you know, you're sitting there and you're coding something at the same time that like the teacher or whoever's doing the class is coding something. And it's, and then if you need to take a break, you can pause it and, you know, go do that or do whatever. And I feel like that workflow for me, at least, is it, it works a lot better for the way that I operate and the stuff that I do now, as opposed to, you know, being forced to like sit in a classroom and, you know, I don't know. I don't like asking questions in front of hundreds of people. I've never been that good at that. What would you say is your secret boss sauce to setting yourself up for success? um so i guess two things um one of them i guess kind of falling into okay so a big one is just getting sleep i don't know if anybody said that on here that might be pretty basic but i feel like i've spent a long time probably the last 15 years of my life not sleeping good you know trying to cram as much stuff whether that's like a project that i'm working on i'm up till four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, oh, okay, this is done. This is done. And I wake up the next day and it's not done. It, it, it's not functioning the way that I want it to. Or, you know, I, I feel like over the past few years, I've been really prioritizing sleep and it's helped me to learn a lot faster than, um, than all of these years combined in the past. Um, so I feel like sleep is very, very important. And then, um, when it comes to like the programming stuff, um, I feel like one of the things that I do is I always build a way into my, into like the stuff that I'm building um, to kind of keep track of analytics of the stuff that I've built and how often people are using them. Um, and a lot of programs also do this, like, you know, Microsoft has different logs and stuff to see how many times like a certain dashboard has been viewed or, you know, how many times an employees use this particular program. Because a lot of times, you know, you build something in your head, you're like, oh, yeah, people are using it. People are using it. And then you go and you look at those logs and you're like, why hasn't anybody used this for two months? And then, you know, right away, like either something's wrong with it or it's not doing what you needed to do, you know. And so then it kind of you kind of able to go back to the drawing boards or then you can go to the source and say, hey, you know, why aren't you guys using this? Not like in an like, aggressive way, but just like, you know, is there something wrong with it or what would make this better? And I feel like that's a good way to, you know, um, always be, you know, making the programs and, you know, your workflows run better as well, too. Like, you never build something and then it's just the way, you know, it stays that form for, you know, its entirety of its life cycle. Usually you build something and then a month later, you're like, 
updating it and trying to make it better and updating and trying to make it better. So I'd say that's that's big. Just find a way to um you know keep track of the stuff that you build with these types of systems or programs or tools and um track their performance and see if people are actually using the stuff that you've built. And if not, why? Thank you so much for that. I feel like today we got so much information especially for business owners who are wanting to implement a new system or already have a new system. Um, this has just been super insightful. Can you tell everyone where they can find you if they want to connect or have any mm -hmm. more questions? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the easiest way is going to be uh, contact me by email. Um, so my email is jteprods at gmail.com. Um, any questions, reach out to me. I'm happy to answer them. Okay, well, thank you so much for being you. on the Boss Sauce. We'll see you next time, everybody.